Welcome to Between Two Blue Devils, a podcast that profiles the incredible teachers, students, alumni, staff, and community members of Talmadge City Schools and Talmadge, Ohio. Hey, thanks for joining me. I'm Mark Warner, your host and a proud teacher at Talmadge High School. Now, get ready to meet some amazing people who are changing lives on a daily basis. Another day, another podcast. Welcome to Between Two Blue Devils <laughs> with your host, Mr. Horner. And today we are joined by the late, the great, <laughs> Mr. Redinger. <laughs> Back from the dead! Back from the dead! Yeah! I should, I should tell you that Joe Bowman... Uh, Yesterday, in, during CCP uh, algebra, said so. We're talking about the coronavirus. He said, "Can you get it twice?" And I said, "I can't, because if I get it the first time, I'm dead." <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, Mr. Redinger, we are we are very thankful that you you're got here. me here. Before we got that you happened, here. Right? Yes, yeah, we yeah. got you yeah. here, and that you're here to share with us. So we got to start right there because you know you're talking about how. You're kind of at risk for the the coronavirus. <laughs> so why don't you tell us uh, how many years you've been teaching, maybe how old you are, uh, who you are. Tell us a little bit about the legendary Bob Redinger. So, so the first time I ever taught anything as a teacher, teacher as opposed to helping fellow classmates was 19. I want to say 66, and I taught a an electronics course, uh, basic electronics, at uh, Fort Bliss, Texas. I was down there in school to learn how to uh, repair and put together and, and uh, Nike Hercules missiles, and uh, I had to wait for three months before I, I, I did the basic training kind of stuff in electronics, and then I had to wait for three months for a top secret security clearance. Um, and so they couldn't, I couldn't go to the next stage until I had the top secret security clearance. I think there were four of us that got it uh, because we then became put in charge of nuclear warheads. But in the meantime, I had to have something to do, so they had me teach the electronics lab for the new people coming in. So that's the first time I taught, was in 66. And then I didn't teach again until, actually teach, teach until 71. At, uh, when I was a master's student at Washington State. Wow, and, that was like one year before I was born. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, I just, that tells you how old I am. So, so in terms of, well, I used to be the same age as Swindell, but he got a year older and I can't do it anymore because I was 49 in base 60, base, in base 16. But now I'm, I can't figure out the base I want to use, so I got really <laughs> old. I went from 49 to 74. Is that math humor? It's <laughs> not very funny. Is this one of those memes um, that I'm going to see you and Swindell old. post, and I'm going to be like, I don't understand that. Well, <laughs> so. we, we had we had a young young man several years ago. Freshman came in, and Dan and Mark and I are all in the same room. And I looked at him, and and I said, So who's older? And he just looked at Swindell and said, He is, and he's the youngest of the three. <laughs> That's because he's got gray hair. He, he hasn't learned about how to dye your hair. 
Oh, you're, we're learning your secrets well, here. Well, absolutely. Sure. <laughs> I, I, my, my younger brother, one of my younger brothers, um, started dying. His, he's 10 years younger than I am, and he started to dye his hair, and he really looked a lot, made him look younger. And my kids looked at me and says, Dad, why aren't you dyeing your hair? So I started, and I haven't stopped since then. I mean, I let it go sometimes, and it gets really gray. But well, that's where you you should just adopt my philosophy. When you start Cut to see some gray, right just shave it right yeah, off. I, Low maintenance. I'm already ugly. I don't need to be that. You know. See, I started rationing my uh, shampoo many years ago I mean, before the corona. You all We took all the mirrors out of the house. I can't. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised my wife's still with me. <laughs> well, how long has your wife been with you? Um, this is, we are going to sh very fairly soon celebrate our 49th. 40, wow. 49th. There you Hey. Wait a minute, I don't deserve the applause. She does. <laughs> Again, it comes up quite often on the podcast. Behind every good man is a... That's right. And you right now, you have taken the lead as far as having the longest marriage. So I'm also the oldest, so. <laughs> you know what? No. I think there must be a positive correlation there. Maybe you think, ooh, math. I know. <laughs> That's as far as it goes right there. <laughs> so uh, where did you meet your wife at? What's her name? Tell us a little bit about your family. Uh, my wife's name's Helen. Um, I'm, she worked for me. Uh, she was an employee. Um, so I met her. We, uh, I owned a restaurant. And back in the late 60s, early, early 60s, early 70s, it was a typical A and uh, who, what's the thing out here? Like A&W &W with right. the car hops only. We had no inside service. Okay. We actually, I got to be a car hop, be a, a car hop for a while. You had to do everything when you own it. Um, and uh, we had roller skates, uh, the traditional kind of what you think about from the well, from Happy Days. From Happy Days or from, uh, what was the show that preceded that? Um, uh, American Graffiti. Yeah. American Graffiti. That wasn't what I was thinking about. Yeah. <laughs> that goes even further back. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm saying, 63. <laughs> but uh, so I met her. She worked for me one summer. And then that was our junior. She's, I married a much younger woman. She's, uh, she was, we, we graduated the same year, but I took four years off because I was in the Army. And um, so uh, she worked for me and we started dating. She was, what, 20, I think, at the time, going to college. More math. More math, yeah. And um, she, uh, so we dated for two years, I think, and then we were driving back from, from Duke uh, and I proposed while we were driving back. I said, well, you think we ought to get married? That was the proposal. Oh, you're a romantic. Oh, I know. <laughs> and I, she, Look at all these boys and it, girls taking notes right yeah, now exactly. on how to propose. She, she was, she were just, and obviously I didn't buy a ring. I never bought a ring. She didn't, A, she didn't want one. And uh, the only jewelry that's what she, she said. wears is, no, that's absolutely <laughs> what, what she believes. She doesn't wear any jewelry except her wedding ring. Um, so I gave her a cigar band. And she still has that in her. <laughs> oh, in really? Her, oh, yeah. She still Aww. has that in her purse that she keeps. Um, so we dated for a couple of years. We got married. We part of the getting married was because I was going to Washington State, and she was a teacher and didn't have a job in Ohio at the time. So she said, "Well, it's either stay here or get married and go out west." So we got married, and um, 
two years in Washington, three years in Illinois, one year in the Netherlands, came back to, I taught for a year at the University Catholic Hoga School at the University of Tilburg in the Netherlands for one year. And, wow. And, uh, what did you teach? Uh, business, marketing, statistics, economics. That was about it. Were you the only professor in the, <laughs> the department there? Yeah. <laughs> no, the, it was, the, the department was, it was called Economic Psychology. Oh, wow. Was the name of the department. The psychology part was consumer, be my PhD's in consumer behavior marketing. It's not in math. I'm an undergraduate in math with the majors, in, I mean minors in uh, physics and economics. And then I got an MBA, and then I went to Illinois to get a PhD in marketing. Um, well, that's so. That's where your love of like Freakonomics. Oh comes yeah, in. all that. Oh yeah. And, well, I like history too. I love yeah. history. And you're probably going to be intrigued about what's going to transpire over the next oh, couple this months. Is, oh yeah, this is fascinating stuff. Um, the uh, and then we so we a year in the Netherlands. We came back. So we'd been married eight years, and which was good for Helen because she wanted to teach right away. She didn't want to have kids and not because she became a stay-at-home mom. And uh, uh, so when we got to Pittsburgh, uh, we decided to have kids. And she tells her daughters, she told her daughters that when we decided to have kids, we had kids. I mean, there was no messing around. We didn't have any problem at all. And uh, so then Kai is, was born in 79. And so he's pretty old now, 40, and making four times what I'm making. Uh, which doesn't take much because I'm a teacher, so, <laughs> you know, four times 20 is 40 or 80 or whatever, I don't know. Uh, and, and, uh, and then two years later we had Kari, she was an accident. You do know there's no such thing as an accident, right? Oh, this was an accident. <laughs> No, because because my wife had changed her birth control and it didn't and, and it didn't work. <laughs> surprise! Surprise! Well, I mean, now in truth, the in truth, the surprise was about her goal was she did not want to carry a child during the hot summer months. So the surprise was that it was earlier than what we had planned okay. by about four or five months. She wanted everybody to be born in May or April rather than cars born in September. So the timing was off. The, I'm sure you heard all about that that summer, too. Oh, you bet. <laughs> you bet. And then uh, three years later, she said, uh, and I, we both came from a big family. She had five. There were five in her family and five in mine. And I sort of always, I enjoyed having the brothers and the sister, well, the brothers, um, <laughs> Shall I edit that part out? Yeah, yeah, no. And uh, yeah, I don't like any of them anymore, so it doesn't matter. Uh, uh, the, oh. Hey, between two blue devils, right, disrupting exactly. families everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. We um, uh, then, then three years later, she said, because she had always just said two, and I said, okay, whatever. I'd have said five, but she said two. She wins. <laughs> Because that's, you know. Happy and, wife, happy life. Well, you, you got it. That's the, guys, the first thing you have to learn to do is to say yes, dear. Then, then, then you're good. Well, that, then it's I'm sorry, dear. Well, I don't make mistakes. You know, <laughs> <laughs> okay. When does your book come out? <laughs> <laughs> the, um, uh, so she said, well, maybe we should have another. Bam! And then we had Kira. <laughs> hey, 
Just add water. That's <laughs> exactly right. Exactly. And, and, I mean, I don't know how far I need to go, but she said that's enough, so I got fixed. <laughs> You're like, yes, dear. Yes, dear. Hell, man. Have you guys noticed a big difference between those who are far away from retirement versus those who are really close? So, <laughs> well, well, so let me ask you this. Sure. Let's go back to the moment you met Helen. Yeah. She hated me. <laughs> well, oh, she did. I mean, seriously, she, she thought I was a snobby. Terrible boss? No, I didn't even have anything to do. I wasn't, I'd just gotten out of the Army. And I was really cool, had an MG, Nehru jacket, big medallion kind of oh, thing. You were, you were like almost the Tom Cruise of oh, that exactly. era. Oh, exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah pretty right. much, right? And, and I didn't even talk to her because I hadn't seen my family for almost two and a half years. And they were all at the restaurant. And so I didn't even talk to the people who worked there. I went to talk to them. She thought I was a snob, blah, blah, blah. She will tell you she didn't like me. Well, she still doesn't. But that's <laughs> how, did, uh, how did you land your first date then? Uh, you drive up in that MG you know, and with the leather I, jacket I think, on. I think I took a strawberry pie with whipped cream and put it in her face. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> well, you care to explain? I, had, I see we, Carmen what, right now is like, well, this worked this weekend. I'm going to try. <laughs> One of the things, we, we, everything we served at our restaurant was homemade. It was all, we made it ourselves. And we, this was in the spring, we had fresh strawberry pie yeah. with strawberries and then some jello stuff, the, the syrupy stuff that you put on. And we always put whipped cream on top of it. She was being a brat, and so I took a pie and went <laughs> like that. It was, it was after work at the, at the close, and so she went outside and got the hose that we used to hose off the thing and brought it inside and started hosing me down, as it were. So I think it went from there. That was sort of the story. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is super romantic. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why she got no <laughs> engagement ring. I mean, <laughs> we set the tone now, you know. Oh, well... I'm not sure what direction to go. <laughs> Should we talk about, uh, well, no, yeah, the questions are coming, but that oh, okay. is, so you guys ended up getting married where? In Dover. In Dover. We had my, my father-in-law was, um, had pancreatic cancer. And so we had a, she's Catholic, and we had a small wedding on the altar where we went down and it was just her family and my family. Um, we didn't have a reception. We just had, um, uh, we went out to, we, we went back to her house. Her father was, had to be in bed most of the time, but he could come down. And um, then we had cake and stuff at her house. And then we went out to my farm and we had a party there in the sense of we built a fire and we had ham and roast beef and again just the family my mom brought the ham but she forgot to cook it and so <laughs> so that one because the next morning we, we we slept that night in a tent at the farm and the next morning we got up packed the trailer and when our honeymoon was traveling across uh northern united states indiana wisconsin minnesota wyoming uh you know black hills uh uh wall drug just across the northwest Coeur d'Alene, Yellowstone. We spent about two and a half weeks traveling, and then we camped the whole time. 
and then we got the Washington State School started, and she got a teaching job. She's gotten a teaching job. Every time we moved, she got a teaching job. So I don't know how that worked. I have no idea. So when did you decide to get into the classroom, like the high school classroom? Um, that would have been, so this is my 24th year here, and one year before that I taught down in, in Tuscarawas County at, a, at, a, at, at, at uh, I taught, I was paid by Kent State Tusk campus, but I taught at Buckeye. I was doing their technology stuff. I was actually doing distance learning. So I was teaching chemistry, physics, and math for Dover and Philly High School, as well as Buckeye. And I was at, Buc I was at Kent State broadcasting. Wow. To, so this is- You were ahead of the times I, of right the there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the beginning of distance learning, and I did that for a year. And that started because when, we, when I quit teaching at Carnegie Mellon, um, and we moved back for a lot of reasons, we didn't have jobs, and so I had to get work. And I, so I became a financial planner for about uh, five years. And in the process of doing that, I started a business, and we started doing technology consulting for school districts in mm -hmm. Northeast and Southeast Ohio. I think we did work for maybe 35 different school districts where wow. I worked with superintendents. This was before the schools had any computers and I helped them get technology and the schools wrote grants and provided training for teachers. And I did that for about three years and I was getting myself out of a job because I tell the superintendents, you're gonna hire me and pay me to do this, but you're gonna get so much that you're gonna need somebody full time rather than me coming in twice a week and that's exactly what happened. And about the same time my kids were junior high school, high school, and uh, I was not happy with their math curriculum. I was not happy with the way they were learning math. And my wife said, well, you enjoyed, I always enjoyed teaching at the university. I didn't like some of the other crap. Um, and she said, well, why don't you get your teaching certificate and go back and show them how to do it. And uh, I said, yeah, okay, that sounds reasonable. So I went back and got a, I didn't get a degree. I just got a certification to allow me to teach. I, uh, being stupid, I didn't realize I could have done financial marketing and all that other stuff. I was only interested in math, and then I wanted to, uh, uh, and I did computer programming because I had a lot of computers, and uh, she said, uh, so I did that for a year. It took me a year to get that, and I applied for a job, and so I, that's, how I, that's how I got back in because she said, why don't you go show people how to do it? And I actually told her, if I'm going to do this, I want to be a superintendent because <coughs> I can have a bigger impact. And then after I started teaching in the classroom, I said, oh, hell no, I'm going to stay here because that's what I enjoy. I don't like, it turns out, you find out as we go along in education that no offense to people that get their degrees in administration, but most people that, most people who really like being in the classroom don't want to leave. They, if they really like it, they don't. My wife, she complains about administrators all the time, and I would say to her, why don't you go get your administration, show them how to do it. She said, no, because she'd like the classroom. And I still think that's pretty much true. Mm -hmm. the, the teachers that like doing what they're doing tend not to leave that. Because, I mean, the key to success in a job is really having passion and enjoy what you do. I don't care what it is. If you don't enjoy it, it ain't fun. And you're not going to like it, and you're not going to do well. Whereas if you do enjoy it, you may do well, but but at least you enjoy it. So uh, that's what I, you know, so I got, I, that's how I got started. Wow. Was getting convinced that I did enjoy teaching at the university level, but I didn't like, I mean, and I didn't mind the other stuff, but I didn't, I was head of the master's program for two years and I was 
head of the undergraduate program for a couple of years, and I just didn't like the administrative stuff, and I didn't like, I didn't get, basically, I didn't, basically, I just got to tell my class, I said, what about grades? And I'm going, don't worry about it. I grade like the real world. If I like you, you get a good grade. If you don't, you don't. Said, that, that, that's how you get evaluated in the real world. I mean, that's why Vanessa almost failed the course. So, so, uh, <laughs> well, so you mentioned one, one of the things that I always love about you, and I, I've never told you this, but it, it's a real simple thing that you do, but you do it on a daily basis, is you're always walking the hallways. Now now that you got a student teacher, it's a little more than usual, but you're always walking the hallways I'm and you're talking to kids. I'm trying to figure out how to do that when he, he today was his last <laughs> oh, day. Today's his last day, yeah. and you're spending some of that with us, all yeah, right. Yep, yep. Well, you're always walking around, you're talking to kids. Oh, yeah. And kids are always talking about you. When I mentioned that you were gonna come down here and share with us, you know, everybody gets excited. They, they love you, they appreciate you. Um, I mean, it's... <laughs> Yes. A bunch of liars, okay. So, but, so, 24 years at Talmadge High School. All yep. at Talmadge High School? Yep. So, and that's been another common theme amongst all our guests. Most have been here... For a long time. For a long time. People don't leave. We Be had... We had yeah, we had... I came here... I mean, first... I mean, I'm, I'm an hour away, 40, 40 miles away. And I came up here and got interviewed. Bob Love was superintendent, and... Um, Russ Jones was the principal, and this was during the summer because I got, they hired me to teach physics. I mean, that's what they got hired for. Uh, they wanted to build a physics program. And um, I met with Bob and Russ. This was in the middle of the summer. What happened, Brad Krosky, who used to be the technology guy, uh, uh, they, he, he had been teaching physics and calculus, and he became a full-time tech person like Kurt Gwynn is now. Kurt replaced Brad when he retired, and they hired. I got hired to replace him, to go to become a full-time teacher, um, and uh, so I met with. This is like in August, and D. Kemp, uh, you wouldn't know, and, and uh, Tommy Olex, and Sue Dahl, and I'm trying to think. There was one other T. Oh, Norma Hirschberger, <coughs> were at this interview, <coughs> and I. Excuse me. And I, <clears throat> I, I have I have COVID sixteen. <laughs> uh, she, uh, I was really impressed with them, and, and the interview for me was probably me more interviewing them than it was. I mean, that's the way I approached it because I knew they'd want to hire me. Um, <laughs> who wouldn't? I mean, come on. I mean, and. And, uh, but, but for me, being as far away as it was, I had interviewed at Mayfield and got a, which is way the hell up there, and, and got a really good job offer, making more than I'm making now, 24 years later, when to start back then, but it was too far away to drive. And, uh, anyhow, I came up and interviewed with them. I was really impressed, and Russ goes, well, we'll be back to you, because we have other people to interview, which is normal. And so I left, and I'm driving home. First of all, he's explaining how to get to the high school, which is the old middle school. Takes me up around the circle, and uh, I mean, I practically got lost trying to figure out where the heck I'm supposed to go. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, so I, I probably made it all the way to Arlington, and I get a phone call saying, "Hey, can you come back? We want you to sign a contract." Wow. Yeah. So I mean, I knew they wanted that. 
That's why you kept going around. Which and is around why I was waiting for him. I didn't want to be too far away. No, no, right. <laughs> and uh, uh, and I and I came here because of the staff. And I hadn't met Swindell and Ganaba, which is probably good for them that I had. We we used to show. Oh, never mind. You can you can you can ask them when they come down. Um, <laughs> I've probably gotten in more trouble as a teacher in this building than any of you have gotten in trouble as a student. Um, I I can't imagine. No, I can't either. <laughs> I mean. I, well, let, let's talk about that for a moment. Okay. So, so 24 years. Yeah. Uh, what has been? Uh, what I really want to know is, I want to know if you can tell us what has been like the biggest change or one of the most. I mean, here we are. We're dealing with a historic event. This is unprecedented that we're going to be out of school and our seniors and juniors are. I mean, and all of us teachers. This is yeah, just crazy. Not quite it, unprecedented. But well, not quite, but yeah, I mean. Yeah. But you know what the I mean. The scope it's, of it is. The yeah, scope yeah, of for it. them it clearly is. Yeah. Right? yeah, maybe another turning point that you lived through, whether it was individual or, his, or you know, historical, and then uh, maybe what's been within the most the embarrassing. School. Yeah, within the school, maybe the most embarrassing moment for you as well in the school as a teacher. Yeah, yeah, I got gotcha. you. As opposed to <laughs> the second part's really hard. I can't think of anything that embarrasses me, so I don't. <laughs> You just don't embarrass I, it all, do I just you? don't care. Um, <laughs> um, in terms of, I think that, I think that, that a couple things, a couple different kinds of turning points from, from a student interaction turn, turning point, I would say that 9-11 and Columbine were probably the two things that yeah. I remember most mm -hmm. in terms of what it was like being in school at that time. Um, for sure. Uh, so that would I would compare those, not in duration, but in terms of what we think about and how we think about things had a big change. I mean, Columbine ended up with a big change in, across the board in terms of how we deal with security and things like that. Uh, so that was and a big change. And I think this will have a change in terms of how we go about business after this. For sure. Uh, and when you look at 9-11 and Columbine, like you guys, uh, you weren't around, right. you know, and so it's your norm, what you've grown up with. But we can remember what it was like before, and now reflect on how radically America has changed as a result. Right. So you know, I mean, I can go back in terms of health issues. <clears throat> I remember when polio was a big issue. I mean, polio wasn't as deadly, but it was much more debilitating. And I can remember when the when the vaccine came out that. Schools literally were giving students during the day. We had a day where they came in and gave everybody a small cup of the vac that it was an oral vaccine mm. that you took down. Then they changed it to shots, but initially it was an oral vaccine, and that was when I was in school. Lots then, changed since 1915. Yeah, man. pretty well. We got to go, <laughs> go. I mean, I, rem I remember before school was even required. Um, <laughs> Everyone out here is like, the good old days. Yeah, the good old days. <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty much. Um, and then the other, the other issue that closed schools down for quite a while was when we had a huge outbreak of measles, German measles, because that was very dangerous for a lot of people. Hmm. And so there was a period of time when as the, me the measles spread but didn't last as long. It was a big spike, but it was very short term. Wow. And they closed schools down for maybe a week, week and a half. 
pretty much around the country. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this isn't the first time that something like this has happened. This will be much more, you know. It'll. It, this will. Ha I think this will have a long-term lasting effect in terms of how we adjust, how we do business, and things like that. I. I think that. Yeah. Different. There isn't anything right now that's untouched by it. Right. As yeah, far absolutely. as you know. Yeah. Political Closing, policy or entertainment, business. Bunch of crazy people. Yeah. Hey, so when you look throughout your life and you think about people of influence, uh, who's impacted your life the most? Uh, and it could be somebody maybe that you listen to, that you've read, that you follow, or, or whatever, but is there somebody in your life that you would consider to be a mentor or just a, pe a person of influence? Besides uh, Swindell and Ganaba. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, who don't I want to be like? That'd be Ganaba. Okay. Um, yeah, Dr. Kitchen was probably, he was my hero when I was at Duke. Um, he was a math teacher, taught, I think I had him for what would be the equivalent of, we didn't, I forget what it was called, but it was, be like Calc 5 or something. And um, uh, he was, uh, he came in beginning of the class and he would, start writing on the board and he would be talking about stuff and just was brilliant, never had notes, never had, just was putting up math and doing math and all this stuff and and so I was really impressed with his math. He was very, very bright and was really impressed with his math ability and uh, so I sort of said, gee, I'd like to be like that and then I found out that he was a tennis player and he practiced with the number one tennis player on Duke's varsity team. He's out on the court, you see him out there playing with this guy. And I thought, wow, not only is he a bright person, but he's really athletically pretty good. Yeah, like really good. And I was a tennis player, and so I was really impressed with that. And, um, and then come, at the time, Duke was like we used to be, final exams were in January, middle of January. And he said, um, he said hey, at Thanksgiving, we're getting ready for Christmas vacation, and he says, okay, today's last day of class. Uh, here's your final exam. It's due January whatever. And he said, if you get it done before Christmas, mail it to this address, and he gave us an address in London. And if you get it done after that, he gave us an address and said, mail it to him in Berlin. And somebody goes, Dr. Kitchen, why are you in London? He says, oh, I'm a guest pianist with the London Symphony Orchestra. Wow. Oh, yeah, wow. And then he was going to even maybe a better orchestra, the Berlin Symphony Orchestra, and he was a guest pianist with them. Wow. And I thought, oh, my God, this guy's my hero. <laughs> I would like to be like that. I played piano. Yeah, not like that, you know. I'd like to be, you know, so that Ch was. Chopsticks, yeah, right? Well, a little better. <laughs> I, I, had, I had extra thumb here, so I could do <laughs> I did. When I when I when when I was volleyball coach here, I was volleyball coach. I had volleyball varsity, varsity volleyball varsity volleyball coach. Last time we went to regionals, I think um, we were pretty good. Facts. Back in the day, back up. Yeah, right. Yeah. And uh, when when I so this was thumbs up with an attitude. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. Described, they can't see it. Oh, they can only, you, well, it's a little people in podcast land here. Oh, what's what do you mean, describe it? <laughs> <laughs> it's a thumb. 
<laughs> pointing it, slightly the wrong direction. It's, so it's, it, it, yeah, it's it's, it's 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 like hanging on northwest or something. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I had two thumbs on this hand. So legit. Yeah, legit, and it looked like a pair of pliers. The only reason, I mean, people always ask, why didn't you keep it? And I said, I tried, but when you're three months old and they cut it off, you can't really express it. <laughs> you can't really. No, don't do it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I was screaming, but they didn't know what it meant. Oh man, well, that just makes me hurt right now. Yeah. yeah well, they, right. well, I still actually, actually, I have loose nerves, so it's like hitting your crazy bone. Yeah. Every now and then, I'll hit something. And I'll go. Ah! <laughs> We just thought that was your age. No, that's not. <laughs> that's my thumb, man. <laughs> so, what what is your favorite book? Oh, I don't have any. You don't I'm, have any? Oh no, no. I mean, sir, if 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 I I have probably I've probably read somewhere in the neighborhood of three thousand books, maybe more. I know I've got. 250, 600. You just became my idol. And and <laughs> and most of them I've read two or three times. Um, I read every night. Probably a couple of chapters in a book I read during the day. If I'm on, if I have to sit out in the hallway, I've got my Kindle, or I've got a book, a real book. Um, so I mean, and I, I'm, I'm a voracious reader in terms of. Uh, I don't have favorite genre. I like history. I like math history. I mean, I have a book, The Story of I, uh, which is the imaginary number. I mean, yeah. I, I just, I like to read a lot. Um, I like. Right now, I mean, I've read everything. I, if I like an author, I read it. So I've read everything Malcolm Gladwell's done. Oh. I've read everything that. Uh, I've talked about Malcolm Gladwell oh, with sure. them. Yeah, well, Can you reiterate again how that would be a great way of spending some of oh your time God. over the next yeah, three weeks I mean, reading some Malcolm oh, Gladwell? Even better, listen to his podcast. He, he has a great podcast. And then who was the guy that did, uh, that he spawned, that did, did Moneyball? Um, Moneyball. Yeah, yeah the, I saw the movie. Yeah, I know. And who's the author? I'm trying um, to remember. Because he also has a great podcast. Um, it's called Re Gladwell's is called Revisionist, Revisionist History. History, and his is called I can't remember right now. If you if you do Gladwell, you'll get to hear his first episode. Um, and then there's another guy from Britain that just started a new one's called Cautionary Tales. And it's, again, it's a historic thing where he looks at events in the past. Oh, I know, against the rules. Michael, Michael, um, the, the podcast is called, well, come on, I do that all the time. It's okay, you know. you're going to give yourself a concussion. You have to have a brain to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, while you're doing that, I'll, I'll second, The Revisionist History is a phenomenal oh, podcast. It, it really is. It's very, and you very will, good. you will not regret the 40 minutes that you'll spend listening to, or 45 minutes. Malcolm Gladwell is extraordinary. Yes, he's, 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 he's he used to work for the Washington Post as a, and now he's writing books and he's done that all. He's doing. He he started Pushkin Industries, which is now spawning podcasts. This other one's Cautionary Tales. Is a guy from Britain who talks about events in history and how we can learn from it. Okay, and uh, uh, it's that also is an extremely good podcast. And I listen to Freakonomics, and I listen to uh, the Money Show. Um, well, I, I think I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, but I got an hour drive each way. So. Right, which I think is awesome. Like I only have a couple minutes. I still listen to podcasts. Number one on your list should obviously, and you, you didn't put a plug in, should be between two blue devils. Well, yeah, but, but I, haven't uh, heard, <laughs> I haven't heard that one yet. <laughs> but, 
But we always talk about... I'm not listening anymore. It's like looking in the mirror. It's not going to (laughs) happen. But I think, you know, attending, like I tell them all the time, attending Podcast University uh, is something I highly recommend. I talk about it all the time because I listen to podcasts as often as I possibly can. We have such a wealth of information out there that we can can learn from the experts. We can learn from people who aren't experts, but just, you know, find out more about people. Uh, What's, you know what, I've, I've always wanted to ask you this. And I haven't, but seeing that you are like the Forrest Gump of teaching and you've been around for so long, what's the best concert you've ever gone to? Best concert. Okay. And uh, I know you're going to get back the, into the 60s. No, you don't have yeah, to go into the that. reasons why it was yeah. the best, no, no, best no, concert. Be, but, best, uh, best, best concert was in the 60s. It was Bob Hope. And you, you all wouldn't know Bob Hope. Great comedian, a big time entertainer during used to go around and travel do uso shows and stuff came down to duke and there was another guy that was a really good comedian really good comedian buddy hackett and yeah. buddy hackett uh, found he was at duke on the rice diet because he wanted to lose weight and uh he found out that hope was coming so they gave him a, 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 at cameron indoor stadium where the blue devils play that hasn't changed in all those years, and in a little side plug, I was one of the original Cameron crazies, guaranteed, right? It happened, it started when I was a freshman. Um, wow. Yeah, truthfully, because they had a celebration of it recently. But anyhow, Buddy Hackett got a seat out in the middle of, a, out in the middle with all the students out on the floor. And, I mean, the whole place was packed. This was a homecoming concert. And, uh, oh, Bob came out and started to do his monologue, and all of a sudden there's this loud voice out in the audience that just starts heckling him. I mean, just really giving him all kinds of grief. And typical typical comedians like hecklers because they like the interaction. They like, and you know, if you're going to make fun of me, I'm going to make more fun of you because you're an idiot. Okay. And so they started going at this and Buddy Hackett's really good. And the next thing you know, he stands up and Hope found out who it was. He went up on stage, and they did two hours of straight ad lib. Wow. It was amazing. I mean, there was nothing planned. There was no routines. It was just them talking about their lives, and that was phenomenal. That would be cool. Now, in terms of in terms of concert concerts that I think of. Uh, Taylor old, Swift? Oh, oh, well, most recently was Bob Dylan at, uh, at E.J. Thomas. About, oh, did you go to that show? Yeah, about eight or nine years ago. Um, I haven't gone for a while now. Um, well, that's not true. I mean, I like TSO, Trans-Siberian Orchestra. We try to go every year. It's like a math thing. Yeah, you guys are all math, going. Yeah, well, so does Sue. I mean, you know. A math plus Sue. Yeah, math plus Sue. Right? <laughs> and math and the most non-math person in the building. <laughs> um, and, uh, but I would say maybe early on, Peter, Paul, and Mary. Uh, and that was sort of the early Bob Dylan era. Uh, Phil Oaks was really good. So back then, more recently... I would say the Moody Blues. Okay. Uh, at Red Rock. Oh, at Red Rock. Which was phenomenal. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where one of our own has performed as well. If you're not so familiar with Red, Red Rock. Red, Red, yeah. Yeah, John Lampley's performed there with OAR. Well, and, he, and he toured with OAR for yeah. for quite a while. And OAR, I mean, I love OAR. I liked them when they started down in Columbus. Yeah. I've had them for a long time. So I've seen them, but. I, I think we could, we could probably go on and so on and on probably. with many, many stories, okay. but. We're, we're, we're going to postpone spring break. We'll start on Monday and we'll finish this on Monday. Oh, no. I'm just... I'm, 
You guys, are you for that? Yeah, yeah. they've come See? back, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. My favorite student said yes. The rest of them said no. Oh. So, just kidding. Just kidding. Hey, so what we're going to do is we're going to go through a kind of a little bit of a fire round here okay, with you. I right, right. uh, got some questions. Okay. Uh, favorite movie? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Separation of church and state, remember. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, so I was going to say Jesus Christ Superstar, but I can't do that. Coat of many colors, I can't do no. My favorite, I, you know, the probably all time, maybe the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, That's a good movie. I was going to say, I like things with a twist. Sting 1 and Sting 2 are phenomenal. Dirty, more recently, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, Michael Caine and um, Steve Martin. No, I like comedy. More recently? That was like 20 years ago. That's why I said more recently. <laughs> 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 the, the, the greatest. Uh, yes, context, right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Recent movies, I haven't. I don't, yeah, I'm not really big on. I mean, the most recent movies I've seen are all the Star Wars movies that I've seen in theaters. But. So, this, this has actually been it's asked by multiple students here. What's your biggest accomplishment in life? Staying married for 49 years. Um, three, 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 three wonder. No, I mean, seriously, if you ask the success, it's been our family. Well, all three kids are doing extremely well, and we're still close-knit. We still vacation together. So, I mean, that, that would be it, because that's the most important thing to me. So you've been married for 49 years. I mean, what's been the key to this successful yes, marriage? Yes, dear. <laughs> no, we get along really well. We don't, we, I don't think we've ever had any, if we have a disagreement, it's yes, dear, but that doesn't happen very often. I do all the cooking she does. I mean, that would keep anybody together. Uh, I'm a great cook. Uh, I'm a great cook. Uh, um, yeah, I, I think it's just that we get along. We talk about everything. We reach decisions about things together. Raising kids, we never, we the kids d never couldn't say if they went to ask Helen about something. Yeah, it wasn't going to change. If whatever, we always knew what we were going to do with the kids. So mm -hmm. I think I think we just pretty much got along. We like doing the same things. We like camping. We like outdoors. We're very non-social people. <laughs> you get all your talking out while you're here at the build in the That's building. That's right. right? I, yep. I go home and she's asleep and I'm asleep and we don't. Well, that was probably the other thing that's helped. Is that, no, no, no. I mean, when we hey, you were, go to bed as soon as you get home from work. <laughs> <laughs> got that right. Um, it doesn't matter anymore. Um, <laughs> Don't ask. <laughs> don't, don't ask, right. Um, <laughs> Pause. <laughs> yeah, right. We don't care. Um, we don't edit either, so it's going to be on record. I don't, no, I mean, when, when we first got married, she worked. She, she went to work about the time I was going to bed. And then when I came back, she was asleep i mean literally we were at opposite shifts yeah. so the only time we spent together were on the weekends because uh, she was working night shift and i was going to school during the day i was a night person she was an early morning person and uh, so uh, we I, I think that had a lot to do with it we got to learn we didn't ha we didn't have kids right away and she she convinced our children when 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 she was still carrying them in the womb she's going don't get married till you're 26 don't have kids till you're 30. She, all three of them listened. <laughs> uh, okay, well, there's a real advantage. I mean, we had an advantage that we got to know each other before we introduced somebody else into the equation. And 
uh, I think that made a difference. Sure. And we got to know we got to know what we were going to be like, and we got to we got to experience a lot. I mean, this is why I'm not retired because most people retire they want to travel. I traveled all over the world before we had kids. I don't need to. I don't have that same desire to go. We still travel a lot afterwards, but I think that was part of it was not sure. having kids right away, and we knew what we wanted to do. Uh, so I think that was that's probably the biggest thing is to not argue. She didn't have a clue about finances, or then she would have left me right away because we were dirt poor. We've always been dirt poor. But <laughs> rich in many other ways. Rich in many other ways, and now we're rich in other ways too. But um, we, we, as soon as you lose kids, this is for you, as soon as the kids are gone, you get to start making money for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. so um, if, do you have a life quote or mantra? <clears throat> Be happy. Enjoy yourself. Doesn't matter what you do. I really believe work hard, play hard. That, that when you're working, you work hard, and when you're playing, you play hard. You just you do you you do it at the best that you can. I think that's that would be my mantra. And I think if you do that, you're going to be happy all the time, pretty much. Well, I've got a couple more questions, and then we're going to wrap this up. Uh, but I'm going to give you this. Vanessa simply wanted to say hi. Hi, Vanessa. Hi. Yeah. Okay. When are you leaving? And so, and then, <laughs> Sarah always decorates a card for our guest speaker, which I think is super cool. Super, yes. And so we're going to get a picture of you with that here in a moment. Uh, now to the very, very serious questions. Okay. What's your favorite type of firework? <laughs> favorite type of firework? The kind that doesn't blow up in my hand. <laughs> Good enough. <laughs> and so the the final question is this. Of all the Spice Girls, which one? I don't even know who the hell the Spice Girls are. <laughs> <laughs> it was coming. I knew we were going to get to a guest who didn't know who the Spice Girls were. <laughs> Isn't one of them a judge on... Uh, America's Got Talent. Wait, I, think it's, 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 I know, I know. All right, there you go. Scary so Spice I, got another vote. Yeah, all right. <laughs> hey, so you've been teaching for a long time. Give me a rough estimate of how many students you think you've interacted with. I can't think of any. <laughs> I, I try to avoid them as much as I can. Throw a number out there. Seven. Seven. <laughs> well, my favorite. Yeah, he got quarantined a long time yeah. ago. With I've, uh, been, I've been quarantined. Yeah, seventeen would be my favorite number. I would say the square root of seventeen taken out to a lot of decimal places. Um, yeah, I don't know. You know, probably 80, 80 90 a hundred a year while I was here. So, two thousand four hundred. Roughly. That's why, here's a rule. If you ever see me, well, you won't because I'll be dead by then. But if you ever see me years from now and down the street, you got to tell me who your name is. Because, as a matter of fact, if I see you in the hallway after this get together, you need to tell me your name because I won't remember. <laughs> well, well, I mean, well, that's really true. We yeah. see so oh, yeah. many. Oh, you see, see so many faces. If yeah. I remember you, it's because of somebody like Carmen. We wish you could forget. <laughs> <laughs> so, at bare minimum, 2,400 kids that you have poured into and you've been a part of their lives and 
they will they know me for it forever. Well, okay. you have impacted lives. Yeah, I mean that's a lot of lives. It and sure I'm reminded, and I've mentioned this quote uh, before. It's a good thing I don't have concealed carry. That's true. <laughs> okay, you should stop right now. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, I always, my, one of my favorite quotes is from Billy Graham, and he's like, you know, and I changed the word coach to teacher. Uh, a, a teacher will impact more lives in a year than most people will in a lifetime. And you have impacted lives. There are people who are in their chosen profession because of that's, having you and being that, yeah. under your guidance and your mentoring. We appreciate you. Uh, I absolutely love this. I love every time we have a conversation yeah, and it is, it always is fun. This, by the way, not only do you have the marriage record, but you have the longest podcast record. That's because uh, I never is, shut up. I know. That's why, that's why I'm cutting you off right now. Uh, okay. But, but okay, no, good. but no, thank you. You are incredible. Give well, it up for our is, guests. This is enjoyable. You're doing a nice job. I hope you enjoyed our interview today. Be sure to subscribe on whatever podcasting platform you are listening on. And also feel free to follow me on Instagram at at Mr. Horner, the teacher, or on Twitter at THS Mr. Underscore Horner for podcast updates, blog updates, and more information about our guests. If you liked what you heard, I would appreciate if you give us a review and share the episode. Help me get the message out about how incredible our community is and how awesome our teachers are. If you haven't, make sure you go back and listen to past interviews. There are a lot of amazing people that we've had the privilege of interviewing. Until next time, go Blue Devils.